Welcome, everybody, to your all-time favorite podcast in the world. And as some have said, the most useful podcast out there, Persuasion School. My name is Jake Savage. If this is your first time here, I'm so grateful to have you. You can learn a little bit more about me in the bio of whatever platform that you're listening to this podcast on. But a quick snapshot, I'm a former door-to-door salesman. I knocked on about 100,000 doors before helping start a sales company with a handful of amazing people. My job there was to build and train a team of salespeople around the nation. And I was the president for the past three years. And in that time, we hit some fun milestones. Like we made the Inks list of the 500 fastest growing companies in the nation twice. And then in 2021, I launched my own consulting business. So now I ha- I'm leveraging 15 years of corporate sales experience to help nonprofit fundraising teams win bigger donations, particularly anti-trafficking groups, anti-sex trafficking anti-human trafficking. That's that's my passion. And so that's what I do now for work. And then of course, through this podcast, we teach the masses how to be more persuasive, how to be more effective communicators and get more of the things that you want in life, deals, dates, donations, raises, promotions, just be more confident in your everyday conversations. And we have a lot of fun doing so. I've either put together a topic based off of my experience in sales, or I pull something fun from the world of uh, psychology or neuroscience, or maybe I've interviewed somebody awesome doing amazing things. I mean, learn from them how they influence other people to take action. Speaking of that, if you did not catch last week's episode, you should absolutely go check it out after this. I interviewed an ex-CIA agent, a guy who now leads the international operations for a group called OUR, which is Operation Underground Railroad. And this guy, his job is to conduct sting operations to rescue kids that have been involved in child sex trafficking situations. Definitely listener discretion advised for that episode, but the work that they're doing is fantastic. And my guest, Matt, really brings it home with some some great tips as far as being persuasive. Uh, His job entails sitting down at the table with a trafficker and trying to convince them, first of all, build rapport with them, build a relationship and convince the traffickers that he's there to you know, purchase a kid on behalf of some other boss that he's allegedly working for. I mean, it's it's wild. And uh, I can't even imagine doing that. He's, he's done it about 30 times now for 30 different operations. Uh, he's also had to brief presidents, U.S. presidents in the past during his role within the CIA. So, lot to learn from that episode. I highly recommend listening to it. And that is just one example of a Persuasion School episode. But today, I've got something fun for you guys. Real quick, though, got to address the audio quality. It's probably a little bit less than, uh, than what you were expecting. Maybe you don't care. I don't know what you guys think. I get super nitpicky about it. But I am inside of a car with the AC on because it's scorchingly hot. And I've got to be here because my family is still traveling. We've been on the road for almost a month now visiting different family members across the U.S. This is our last stop, which is Emerald Isle, North Carolina. Uh, Been a pretty fantastic week. So uh, the place that we're staying has a lot of people inside the house. The car is my refuge to come out here and record. So that's that as far as the audio quality goes. Plus one quick little thing. This is the 100th episode of Persuasion School. Pretty exciting. That's it. That's all we're going to do to celebrate. Just wanted to announce that. Thank you guys for listening, for making this possible. If you've been a supporter since day one, my heart goes out to you. I appreciate you. 
You have made this thing possible. We've been hovering around the top five or six percent of all podcasts in terms of listenership for the past few months now, which is super exciting. So anyways, 100th episode, hopefully it's a good one. Let's go ahead and jump right in. All right. So today's topic is going to pertain to conveying a message from one type of people group to another, and I will get there in just a second. It will be applicable to everybody, but we're going to be talking about a specific example between two people groups that I will make very clear very soon. But to start, I wanted to tell you guys about a favorite class that I had in college. Took a handful of courses, a lot of them still not sure whether or not they were relevant uh, or a worthy investment. But one was, and it won't be any surprise as to why I love this, it was called Language, Logic, and Persuasion. So naturally, it became my favorite course. But a big uh, section of that class was going over self-defeating arguments. We would also talk about how to structure your arguments properly in order for them to make sense, for them to be sound, for them to be airtight, in order for us to be ultra persuasive. But the biggest mistake that a lot of people make when trying to convey a point is their argument has holes in it and is therefore self-defeating. And oftentimes the audience picks up on these holes before we even pick up on these holes. And then they say no because they're not interested in moving forward. And we might not know why. And maybe we think that the audience is being dense and we just can't get our message through. When in reality, our message was never that airtight to begin with. So self-defeating arguments or arguments with holes in them. This is a major pitfall for tons of people when it comes to being persuasive. And so I learned a lot in that course on how to create sound, airtight arguments. We may get more into that in another episode. I think it would be fun to explore, but I've got a particular topic uh, or area that we're going to apply this self-defeating argument thing to today. And again, I think it's going to be applicable to everybody, but uh, we're going to be talking about parents talking to their kids. So if you're not a parent, don't check out because you will learn about creating a sound argument and why self-defeating arguments don't work. But if you are a parent, hopefully this is going to be helpful for you. So I came across some research done on parents that are trying to get their kids to reduce the amount of screen time that they have on a day-to-day basis. Does that sound familiar? Maybe there are some of you out there that are like, praise God, I've been needing something like this. My kids are addicted to their phones and I can't get them off or they're addicted to the computer or whatever it may be. Hopefully what we're going to be talking about today helps. So this information comes from a guy who's actually a tech tech education expert and he's the CEO of the International Society for Technology and Education. His name is Richard Kulata. And so his, his organization, ISTE, International Society for Technology and Education, is a nonprofit that partners with educators around the globe and helps them use technology to solve problems. And prior to that role, he was actually appointed by Obama to lead the U.S. Department of Education's Office of Educational Technology. So the guy knows what he's talking about when it comes to educational technology, obviously, and incorporating it into curriculums for young kids. And throughout the course of Richard's career, he noticed a lot of issues when it comes to parents trying to communicate to their kids around the topic of technology. A lot of parents have a lot of messages, but not a lot of those messages are getting through to the kids. So there are four main phrases 
that he has picked up on. Uh, these are, I mean, if you're a parent, you might not use this exact phrase, but these are kind of the four key phrases that most parents use with their kids. And, and the point of this is that these four do not work and he offer, offers alternatives to each of the four and we're going to go through it. So we're going to go through all four phrases. We're going to talk about why they don't work, although there is a recurring theme for all four, which I've already mentioned. That's the self-defeating argument. And then he offers suggestions for navigating past them. Again, if you're a parent, hopefully this is helpful for you. If you're not a parent, still listen because I think it's going to tie into something else. Maybe if you're a manager or a boss and you're trying to convey a message to your employees, but it doesn't really seem to get through, I think this is going to be helpful for you there as well. And if you're trying to sell something or you're trying to fundraise or you're just trying to be more persuasive in general and you feel like you're not able to get through to other people, uh, and especially if it's a situation where you're repeatedly trying to send the same message to the same person and you're not making any progress, this is going to be for you as well. All right, so... Phrase number one that does not work when it comes to trying to get your kids to get off the phones or the computers, the first phrase that most parents say is, you're addicted to your phone. All right, so this is super common, but it's also confusing for kids because it's not really the phone itself that they're addicted to, but maybe it's a particular app or something on the phone or computer. But either way, your argument is already self-defeating because if your kid is listening to you, they're going to think to themselves, well, I'm not actually addicted to my phone. So what you're doing is you are creating a wedge between you and your kid when you're trying to send this message. You're widening the gap instead of shrinking the gap and removing the distance because your statement is somewhat false. So instead of focusing your phrasing in your message around what's wrong with the phone or with too much screen time, the recommendation here is to try focus, try to focus on providing a compelling reason to do something other than sit around on the phone. So Richard's suggestion here are, are two different things that you can say. The first is, hey, it doesn't seem like you've gotten any exercise yet today. So when you say that, you're going to put the ball into their court, which could hopefully spark another conversation. But this way, it's not about the phone. It's more about the exercise, something completely different. And then you can have a conversation around getting them to go outside and exercise. All right, that's suggestion number one. The second one is, hey, I noticed you haven't spent any time with your family since you've gotten home from school. Let's do that for a bit so that we can balance out how you spend your day. So still, it's not about... The phone being bad or you're addicted, it's not an accusation. It's just an observation that you've made about them not having spent much time with the family. So toxic phrase or improper messaging number one is you're addicted to your phone. So ditch that and utilize Richard's suggestions to try to get through to your kid. The second common improper phrase that most parents use with their kids is Hey, you've been playing that game for too long. If you're a parent, how many times have you said that to your kid? You've been playing that game for too long. All right, so what's wrong with this phrase? The first is that it focuses on the amount of time spent on a digital activity, but doesn't focus on the activity itself. So for example, watching a movie is also a digital activity, right? And there's a good chance that if your kid were sitting down spending two hours watching a movie, you might not be as worried if they had been versus them sitting down spending two hours on their phone. 
meaning that your argument already is lacking legs to stand on because it's inconsistent. Is it really about the amount of time that they've spent playing the game? Because again, maybe you wouldn't have said that had they been watching a movie and much less your favorite movie. If you came into the room and they had been sitting there for two hours watching your favorite movie, you know, Ferris Bueller's Day Off or whatever it may have, just throwing out a random example, Maybe you would be totally in love with that idea and you wouldn't care how long you wouldn't have cared how long they spent watching that movie but because it's some game or something that maybe you don't understand you throw out sort of an attacking phrase or an accusation about the length of time they've spent playing whatever game it is. All right, but let let's say that you do want to communicate that you would like them to do something else. Here are Richard's two suggestions for this phrase. The first is Hey, it seems like this game is getting more of your attention than it deserves, given the fact that it's mostly based on repetition and luck. So that's it. It's an observation, but that again is going to put the ball into their court to spark a conversation around having them get out and do something else versus you've been playing that game for too long. It's more of an observation. Hey, it seems like this game is getting more of your attention than it deserves, given the fact that it's mostly just based on repetition and luck. Like, uh, what's that game my brother Max is addicted to? Lots of kids are. Candy Crush? I don't know. I don't even understand. But there you go. That's what you can say if your kid is playing Candy Crush. The next suggestion from Richard is, he says, the statement above might lead to a conversation about the value of different apps installed on the device and whether they give, give a better return on the invested attention. So you as a parent could ask something like, hey, what other activities do you want to do with the time that you spend on your phone today? So that way, it's not even really about the phone. Maybe it is this game that drives you nuts or you feel like the game is unproductive for your kids. This way, you can keep them on the phone and you're almost reaching this uh, negotiation between you and your kids. And this is a great way to go about it because I've talked before on previous episodes about our crock brain. Right, like that caveman part of our brain that's on high alert for three key things, which is threats, rewards, and fairness. That's it. So when you offer up an option that seems fair via a negotiation, this is going to pop up on your kid's radar as, okay, this, this is fair. This makes sense. That could happen when you say, hey, what other activities do you want to do with the time that you spend on your phone today? extremely fair. All right. So those are the first two. Quick recap. First one is, hey, you're addicted to your phone. We're going to try to avoid saying that and use Richard's suggestions. The second one is you've been playing that game for too long. We're going to avoid that one as well. Two more. So number three, the third most commonly used phrase, improper phrase here is stop sitting around on the computer all day. How many times have you said that to your kid? Or maybe you've been told that if you're a younger listener by your parents. All right, so to start, this can be super confusing if you as a parent suggest another activity like reading a book, since that's technically less active than doing something on the computer. Also, saying something like stop sitting around also lacks legs to stand on as you wouldn't say that or you likely wouldn't say that to them if they were sitting around reading a book. So the stop sitting around part is a self-defeating argument. So the goal here should be to be as specific as possible about why you think the activity itself is problematic or out of balance. Not so much the sitting around part, because again, you wouldn't say that if they were sitting around reading. It's more so the computer that you have an issue. So you need to get specific with the aspect 
that's problematic or out of balance. So Richard's two suggestions for this one is the first is if the concern is that they're not spending enough time reading, that's a great conversation to have. And then you might discuss the importance of making sure there's reading time, whether on or off a device at some point during the day. So they could be reading on their phone. The second suggestion is if the concern is a need for physical activity, like you want your kids to get out and be more active, then the reframe would be less about not using the computer and more about finding an appropriate time to go for a bike ride or a run. And here's a great opportunity to offer two options. You know, I've talked before about how my preference for closing or securing a commitment from somebody is to offer two options because sometimes this circumvents the wall that most of us put up in order to prevent ourselves from being taken advantage of. And when you offer two options, it puts the stakeholder or the audience in the driver's seat, puts them in control. So if you want them to technically stop sitting around on the computer all day, first off, we're going to try to ditch that phrase like we're talking about here, and then maybe offer two options. Make your argument more about the fact that they should be getting some physical activity and ask them if they would prefer to go on a bike ride or on a run. That puts them in the driver's seat when they answer. All right, so that's the third one. Then the last one here, the last most commonly used phrase that we need to ditch is, Hey, you need to interact with real people. How many times have you said that if you're a parent? Seeing your kid on social media or whatever the case may be. So the problem with this and why this is self-defeating is because they're likely interacting with more people on the phone than they would off the phone. And a lot of them are real people. They're their friends. So this is a confusing and self-defeating statement that's not really going to get through to your kids. What you need to do is address which aspect of this part of this whole thing feels out of balance to you, right? Which part of them interacting with people on social media instead of in person feels out of balance to you? Richard's two suggestions. The first one is you could say something like, hey, your family wants a chance to spend some time with you as well today. Or second one, hey, it's good to have some in-person interactions with your friends too pretty simple. Again, these these suggestions might not be game changers. Maybe they're not going to be the silver bullet that you need to, to finally get through to your kid, but they are going to be alternate phrases versus some of these more attacking and accusatory phrases that are self-defeating and aren't really getting through to your kids. But yeah, but you know, in, in your defense, you may not be thinking about that all the time because maybe you're busy and you've got a million things going on and then you see your kid has just been sitting there playing Candy Crush all day and you just snap, right? And that's totally fine and understandable too. Maybe not fine, but certainly understandable. But what we need to do is slow things down, manage our emotions and approach the situation logically trying to prevent using any self-defeating arguments and address the very specific issues that we have with our kids being on these phones or devices, whatever it may be, all the time. So four most commonly used phrases by parents that we want to try to avoid are number one, you're addicted to your phone. Number two, you've been playing that game for too long. Number three, stop sitting around on the computer all day. And number four, you need to interact with real people. So again, if you're a parent, hopefully this has been helpful for you. And if you're not a parent, hopefully you found the theme here of avoiding self-defeating arguments, be very careful with the wording and the phrasing that you choose that you use when trying to convey a message to somebody else.
Do the words help support your argument? Do they provide legs to stand on? Or are they going to confuse your stakeholder or listener if they lack consistency? Food for thought there. And then if you want more info on this, I highly recommend checking out Richard Culotta's book, which is Digital for Good, Raising Kids to Thrive in an Online World. So that's going to have a little bit more info for you if uh, if this is an area that you need help in, extra help in, in your life. All right, everybody, that's it for today. Short and sweet. Hope you found it useful. Couple things here as we close out today. Number one, I've been having more and more listeners from the show reach out for one-on-one coaching, which has been awesome, by the way. I love interacting with people that listen to the show. And I've worked with people that are uh, from various industries, salespeople, marketers, fundraisers, people competing in beauty pageants, whatever the case may be. If your current endeavor, whatever it is, requires you to to craft a compelling message and you want some support, some guidance, some coaching, reach out. I would love to work with you. And you can do that. I mean, reach out to me however you want. Email, which is jake at jakesavage.co. Instagram, which is at it's Jake Savage. Or just go on the website, which is persuasionschoolpodcast.com. There are uh, ways to work with me there. There's just a button that says work with me. And you've got a few different options. And if you want coaching, you can click on that. I will respond and we can get up and running together. Would love to work together with you on whatever project that you have. Number two is Patreon. If you have a question that you want answered on the show, you can go to patreon.com slash persuasion school. And there's a monthly subscription there. It's only four bucks per month, but you can answer, you can ask any question that you like. I will answer it via an entire podcast episode. Obviously, I provide a lot of uh, insight here around how to be more persuasive on the show, but a lot of it has to be somewhat vague to reach a larger audience. But if you want to get nitty gritty and want specific details and insights for your industry, your line of work, your scenario, whatever it is, I will answer the question right there. So that's patreon.com slash persuasion school. And then of course, ratings and reviews. Hey, those go a long way. I know every podcast out there is begging people for more ratings and more reviews, and they don't just boost my ego. They actually help other people get more of the things that they want in life. So if you're somebody that found the show and started to listen to the show regularly because you were looking for a way to negotiate a raise with your boss and then you tried it and you were successful, well, help somebody else get that same good thing by writing a a review or rating the show. The podcast algorithm gods, they don't care what you write. It could be an emoji, I think, for all I know. But the podcast algorithm algorithm gods will bubble this show on up to the top and make it more visible to others when people rate or review the show. So you're going to help somebody else get those good things that you've got. It goes a long way. All right, that's it. Hope you guys got something out of today's episode. Have a fantastic rest of your Thursday, Friday, weekend, and I will catch you guys next week. Adios. Adios.